Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives, and also check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support us on a one-time basis using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Thank you so much to Randy for supporting the show in that way. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Thank you to Jack. Becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Casey Crime Photographer, original air date February 5th, 1948, and the title is Music to Die By. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Hiya, Casey. Hi. Look, here comes Tony. Hiya, Tony. Hiya, Casey. You're going to give us that famous line of yours? Well, I'm here to tell you that tomorrow begins a week dedicated to one of America's most famous institutions, the Boy Scouts of America. They deserve our full support. Right, Ethel Burton. Since you've done your good deed for the day, Tony, suppose you proceed. All right, Casey, I will. Anchor Hawking is the most famous name in class. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Music to Die By. Half past nine in the evening, in the cheaply furnished living room of a small, cheap apartment, a woman, rather pretty in a drab way, is darning socks. Her husband holds a magazine that he obviously isn't reading. In an apartment above, a radio is loudly tuned in on a dance band. Finally, the woman turns. That music bother you, dear? Huh? Betty Welch is home. Yeah? Hmm. We always know when we hear that radio upstairs. I, uh, hadn't noticed. No? You haven't read a word in that magazine since you turned it on. I didn't think it. Well, why don't you go to bed since you've got a tough day tomorrow? Fine, sleepy. Uh, why don't you hit the hay? You've got to get up early for your job. Oh, I wouldn't get any rest with that radio going over my head. Uh, I'll, uh... I'll go upstairs and ask Miss Welch to tune it down. Oh, what's the use, Howard? She wouldn't do it. And according to Lisa's here, she's entitled to play it until 10 o'clock, and it's only a little after half past eight. Ah, uh, so. Mm. Um, 
very good-looking gal, Miss Welch. Yeah, not bad. She's caused a lot of jealousy in this building. So you told me. Well, all husbands aren't like you, Howard. Some of them around here have been giving that blonde upstairs quite a place. You hear that stuff from Mrs. Bloomington. That old dame across the hall does nothing but gossip. Mrs. Bloomington isn't the only one. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Ada, I'm pretty restless. I won't be able to sleep unless I get a walk and maybe a couple of beers. I think I'll uh, walk down to Eddie's tavern and back. Okay, but before you go, Howard, call up the super and tell him to fix that radiator. Radiator? Mm, the one in the kitchen. The super won't fix radiators. Now it's too late. He will if you ask him. You can get most anything out of John. Call him on the house phone now. Okay. I'll go across the hall and get Mrs. Bloomington to stay with me while you're out and the super's here. What do you want to do that for? I have a sense of the proprieties, Howard. Proprieties? Not. Hello, a uh, super. Uh, hiya, John. This is uh, Howard Clinton, apartment 4B. John, uh, the radiator in the kitchen doesn't work. Can you come up and fix it? Well, I know it's late, John, but be a pal, huh? Yeah. Ah, uh, well, thanks, my dear fella. Long. Good evening, Mr. Clinton. <laughs> oh, Hi, Miss Bloomington. Did you get the super, Howard? Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll be right up. I knew he'd do it for you. I'll stay here with your wife, Mr. Clinton, so you needn't worry. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Miss Bloomington. Somebody might kidnap her if she was alone. They might. She's very pretty. You see, I have one admirer, Howard. Yeah. I'll, uh, get my hat coat. Don't close your door when you go out. I'm leaving mine across the hall open, of course. So if my poor husband needs me, he can call, and I'll be sure to hear him. Uh, how, uh, how is your husband, Miss Bloomington? Oh, just the same. He'll never be anything but an invalid tied to his bed. That music above distresses him so, but you can't demand that that Betty Welch woman turn it off before 10 o'clock, I suppose. Uh, no. Uh, Ada, I'll, uh, I'll just have a few beers and come right home. Don't hurry. Uh... See you later, Miss Bloomington. So long. So long, Mr. Clinton. Uh, don't close the door. Oh, oh sure. I uh, won't be long. Ada, dear, I don't know how you can stand the horrible radio of that horrible woman, Betty Welch, right over your apartment. Find me with a place full of company? <laughs> You're the most jealous fellow I ever met. Because I'm so crazy about you. Take off your overcoat. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Have any trouble getting away? I had to go all the way downstairs and then come up the back way tonight. Oh, Mrs. Bloomington's with Ada, so of course both doors are open. You sure nobody saw you? Sure. Hey. What guy's been up here with you? Guy? Look at this ashtray. You don't smoke cigars, do you? Look, a fellow and his girlfriend came home with me last night, and I forgot to empty the ashtray they used. That's all. Fellow with his girlfriend, eh? Yeah. Come on, I got music on for dancing. How about it? Mm. Let's go. Hey, I want to dance, not have the wind squeezed out of me. When I get you in my arms, Betty, I don't care uh, what... Cut it, behave yourself. 
because Clinton's wife in the apartment below had her door wide open. She and another woman, uh, Mrs. Bloomington, sat facing the front stairs, and they're positive nobody came down. Now, how about the back stairs? Uh, Mrs. Bloomington's husband's an invalid. His door was wide open, and he had a full view of the back stairs from his bed. He saw Clinton sneaking up him, but he saw nobody coming down. Huh? I guess that settles that, Casey. Well, witnesses aren't always reliable, Annie. I'll give you ten to one that the Bloomingtons are reliable. Hmm. You talk that kind of odds, my pockets are lined with fish hooks. Yeah. Just the same, I want to meet the Bloomingtons. Yeah, you'll find them downstairs. Go ahead, get acquainted. <laughs> them customers down the bar, Walter. Uh, excuse me, Miss Williams. You were saying about that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bloomington? Oh, that, um, to Casey's discomfort, Ethelbert. Yeah. They proved unimpeachable witnesses. Mm, go right ahead, Annie. Rub it in. Mm, rub I'm it. going to. Mrs. Bloomington and her husband are terribly respectable, law-abiding people. And the last thing they'd do would be to lie about anything connected with a murder. Mm, I sized them up as okay. This Howard Clinton's goose is cooked, then, huh? Yeah. But Miss Williams and I have been talking to him down at headquarters, Ethelbert. He's a big, strong-looking bozo who talks straight. I just can't see him killing a woman and then trying to kill himself. Huh. He didn't talk very straight to his wife. Well, after meeting his wife, I don't blame him for sneaking up to see that blonde. What's the matter with Mrs. Clinton? I thought she was quite good-looking. Oh, Annie, that... wait a minute. Looks aren't what count in women after you marry them. I know something about women, and I don't trust her. How do you know so much about women and marriage? Uh, hmm? Well, I... Annie, look, if you haven't suspected it as yet, we press photographers see your women at your best and your worst. Which is the reason you remain a bachelor? Which is the reason I remain a press photographer. Huh. Well, I know what Casey means, Miss Williams. It's the same with us bartenders. We meet so many phony dames that a guy gets afraid of... Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, afraid of all the gals who ain't just like you, Miss Williams. Hmm. I see. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Getting back to the subject, this Mrs. Clinton had plenty of motive to shoot that blonde and uh, try to shoot her husband, Casey. I think she had plenty of motive for the killing, but she didn't have the opportunity. Mrs. Bloomington was with her when Betty Welch was killed. So was the superintendent of the apartment house. Ada Clinton couldn't have done the job. Nobody could have, but Clinton himself, apparently. See, Annie, tomorrow morning, let's talk to Mrs. Bloomington again. A short while ago, the Anchor Hawking Laboratories perfected a beautiful new material, lovely as century-old jade green Chinese porcelain, and as strong and heat-proof as the Fire King oven glass you use for baking. They called it jadeite. Expert designers used jadeite to achieve a new beauty in dinnerware. And today, jadeite dinnerware costs far less than the most ordinary dishes. Now, I know it sounds incredible, but it's true. You can buy a beautiful 35-piece jadeite dinner service for less than $5. Yes, less than $5 for six jadeite cups, six saucers, six dessert dishes, six salad plates, six dinner plates, one large vegetable bowl, a platter, and a sugar and creamer set. And jadeite dinnerware can also be purchased in open stock. Now, you'll find beautiful jadeite dinnerware at chain stores, department stores, hardware stores, and most other stores selling chinaware and glass. Ask for jadeite by name. Jadeite. J-A-D-E-I-T-E. Jadeite. The newest triumph of anchor hawking. 
the most famous name in glass. working out in the kitchen? No, but it was there. Huh? Well, Mrs. Bloomington, this has been a delightful visit, but Miss Williams and I must go. Not before we have another cup of tea, Mr. Casey. Tea? You'd like it so much. No more tea, Mrs. Bloomington. No more tea. Find anything in the kitchen? I don't expect to find anything, Annie. I really want to see the layout. I mean, there wouldn't. Lowest mechanic in the world couldn't choose up half an hour replacing an air valve. Set up a perfect kit. What do you mean? Kitchen stepladder here. Look, look out this window, Annie. A window box. Yeah. Wide strong. By placing the kitchen ladder on the window box, he could climb outside and easily pull himself through the window above, which is Betty Welch's kitchen. Clinton and the Welch girl wouldn't have heard him with that radio blaring as it was. No. He could have gone to the living room above and fired two shots with Clinton's Luger that Ada had given him wrapped in an initial handkerchief for her husband and, thinking that he'd killed both Clinton and the gal when he saw them fall, he could have dropped the gun and handkerchief beside their bodies and come back here the same way he went up. Well, Ada was establishing a swell alibi for him and for herself with Mrs. Bloomington. Felix and Ada Clinton are in love? Is that it? No. Oh, no, no, no. no. That Ada Clinton couldn't be in love with anybody. Say, wait a minute, Annie. Mm -hmm. She's the beneficiary of a $10,000 insurance policy on her husband's life. Oh, that came out when Captain Logan questioned her. Didn't mean anything to him or to us then because she seemed an impossible suspect. Wait a minute. It's it's, it's veterans insurance, Annie. G.I. insurance she has. Well, so what? You've got a theory, and she has GI insurance. It doesn't prove a thing against either her or John Felix. Uh, I think it shows me a way to get proof.
thank you very much for letting me take more pictures of you, Mrs. Clinton. And for this uh, second interview. You're quite welcome, Miss Williams. Frankly, it isn't easy for me to talk to newspaper people or to anyone at this time. We appreciate your state of mind, Mrs. Clinton. I don't think you really can. My husband's going to be executed for murder. He uh, carried life insurance for you, Mrs. Clinton. Veterans insurance, ten thousand dollars. Only veterans insurance. That's so. Too bad. Why do you say that? Well, most people don't thoroughly read insurance policies. Huh? Or if they do, they forget the provisions. Uh, have you been like that, Mrs. Clinton? I don't understand what you mean. Well, it's my understanding of the GI policy that if your husband is executed for a crime, you get nothing. I... Did you know that? You've had a bad deal all around, Mrs. Clinton. I hope your luck changes. <clears throat> well, let's go, Annie. Goodbye, Mrs. Clinton. Goodbye. Well, she's doing some hard thinking right now, okay? There she is. Annie, Logan and two detectives are all set up in the next apartment with microphones. They've also bored peepholes in the wall. Let's join them and watch and listen. What do you see, Casey? Uh, all she did was read her husband's GI policy. Also, what looked from here like another insurance policy, and then typed a letter or something, which she just folded and put on the table. You know, the way she typed that letter or something puzzled me, Casey. The gal holds down an expert stenographer's job, but she used the old hunt and peck system. That's right. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. You couldn't see anything of what she wrote, of course. No. Uh-oh. She's at the house telephone. And that means a call to Felix. Well, at least I'll be able to hear when she talks. You two men can't hog the earphones. Hello, John. There she is. Can you come up right away? Oh, of course it's safe, dear. Dear? Hurry, I want to see you. Casey, I'm afraid your hunch is going to make good. Or bit as it does, pal. It's a bad piker. Ah, she may be merely romancing with this John. Neither may have had anything to do with the murder. There's a doorbell. Now we'll see. You two will see. I'll only see her. Hello, John. Oh, my beautiful Ada. Close the door. Yeah, yeah. You think it's all right for me to be up here now? Some of those policemen might be watching us. Why should they be watching us, honey? We haven't done anything. Casey. That anybody knows of. That, Logan? Oh, shut up and listen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm just nervous for no reason. Well, don't be nervous. Anyway, John, if we were watched, you'd come up here to fix a window for me, one that's hard to open. Yeah. Give me a kiss, my beautiful Ada. The gal didn't say no. You really love me, John. Crazy for you. Did you put that in writing? Huh? In the writing? Yes, I've been thinking. I've never had a love letter from you. Well, because we see each other every day. Hey, what's this mush leading up to? It would take so long Just to write. write a short one, John. Get out your pen and write it on the back of this old letter. Hey, that's the folded paper we saw her type, Casey. Yeah. Uh, what shall I write, my darling? Just I love you, Ada. <laughs> you are such a funny woman, I never understand you. Eh, there. Eh, wrote, I love you, Ada. Aren't you going to sign it? Oh, sure, sure. Write your full name. 
Don Felix. It'll look better. Yeah. Sound like it. Yeah, there you are. Anything else? No. This will do very nicely. Casey, I don't get this. Over my head, pal. Now, for my love letter, I want another kiss. Oh, wait, dear. There is something else I want you to do for me. I wasn't kidding about a window being hard to open. It's that one, John. Will you fix it for me? Yeah, sure, all right. It don't work hard. Well, lift it clear to the top. It slides easy. Oh, that's funny. Maybe something catches it sometimes from outside. Lean out and look. All right, I... She pushed him, Casey. He's falling. Out of the window? I get the idea that love letter stuff now, Logan. So do I. And now I'm getting that dame. I've got a key to our apartment, so we'll walk right in. Hello, Mrs. Quentin. Captain Logan. Uh, I believe a man just fell out of oh, your window. Oh, Captain. Captain, it was John, the superintendent. Captain, he didn't fall. He deliberately jumped. Uh, tell us about it. Well, he came up here a while ago acting strangely and asked if he could use my typewriter. I said yes, of course, and... He sat down, typed something on this paper that he signed, folded up and handed to me. Then he raised that window. Horrible. Actually, you hadn't had a chance to read the paper he had. No, Mr. Casey, take it, Captain. You read it. I imagine it'll be John Felix's confession of the murder of Betty Welch. Don't you, Logan? I think so, Casey. Together with a declaration by Felix that he's about to commit suicide. What? Why do you say that? In appreciation of the act you just put on, Mrs. Clinton, I'm making you a present of these bracelets... You're under arrest for murder. We'll join the crowd of the Blue Note in just a moment. You know, physicians who specialize in baby care agree that diet is the most important factor in a baby's health. Today, with the many varieties of scientifically prepared, ready-to-serve baby foods, it's simple for mothers to supply nourishing, well-balanced meals without spending long hours in the kitchen. But there's another factor almost as important as food itself, and that is cleanliness. For this reason, if for no other, you should insist, yes, insist, on prepared baby foods packed in sterile, crystal-clear glass jars. Glass has no harmful effect whatsoever on food, either before or after the container has been opened. The baby food you buy in an anchor glass container sealed with an anchor vacuum cap is as clean as that prepared in a hospital. Convenient anchor glass containers used by most of the better packers of prepared baby foods and easy to open, easy to reseal anchor caps are products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. What else could she do under the circumstances, Ethelbert? Ada Clinton persuaded Felix to kill her husband while he was visiting Betty Welch, and they could provide themselves with beautiful alibis. Hmm. Felix did the job as Casey figured, but of course he bungled it by not shooting Clinton as thoroughly as he shot the girl. The general result looked okay to Felix and his beautiful Ada, though, as it seemed certain that Clinton would get the chair. It stopped looking okay when Mrs. Clinton found out she couldn't collect that insurance, That's huh? right. <laughs> 
Well, this sap Felix was so crazy about Mrs. Clinton that he'd taken out insurance for her. Mm. At her suggestion. Oh, sure. So she decided that since she couldn't profit by the death of her husband, since he was convicted of a crime, she'd free him and cash in on Felix. So she pecked out that letter on her typewriter in imitation of Felix's way of speech. The letter said he killed Betty Welch and was going to kill himself. Yeah. Hmm. And Mrs. Clinton folded it so he couldn't see what was typed when he signed his name to the thing. Say, she's a real bad woman. Boy, I haven't met him any worse. Hey, wait a minute. That doggone Logan. What's the matter with Logan? Well, he didn't pay me that four bits. <laughs> oh, Ethelbert, we forgot to tell you. They're showing some of Casey's pictures at the Photography on Parade exhibit at Rockefeller Center. Well, gee, maybe I'll get over to see him tomorrow night. Fine. Fine. We'll all go together. You'll be in distinguished company, my dear fellow. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation. Makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers. Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. by John Deese and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey created by George Harmon Cox. Original music is by Archie Blyer and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, BlueNoteBulletin.blogspot.com had a few interesting notes on the episode. And uh, Dr. Joe Webb uh, notes that the scream of Mrs. Clinton is quite impressive, probably starting min- startling many listeners to the program who might have been dozing off or otherwise occupied. So I, I do know some folks uh, use this podcast for sleep, so sorry about that. And then, uh, you know, nearly every other episode, Casey ex- states that he does not understand about women, but in this episode, uh, we're told, uh, and the Blue Note calls us out, that he, you know, he says he knows all about women. He sees them at their best and their worst. So, kind of a little bit of a character inconsistency there. But uh, where Dr. Webb really does take issue with this episode is the um, uh, scene after Felix is pushed out the window. And uh, they mention that, 
you know, he mentions that there's no Colthematic sort of action. And uh, he says they just meet in Ada's apartment as she fails to explain away her crime. Logan says, I believe a man just fell out your window. Like he was saying, I'll have a toasted bagel and a coffee. Uh, and he says, it seems like directorial malpractice on the part of Dietz, too emotionless to believe, to be believable. Felix falling out the window, and he notes that this was set up earlier because they mentioned that there was not a fire escape, because if there was a fire escape, then he would just, you know, fall onto the grill, and that would not be a particularly effective, uh, method of murder. Now, this one had some issues, but, uh, the one thing I wondered about was them, how they got the warrant to bug the apartment. It seems like Casey's hunch is not a great piece of evidence for that. But, I mean, in the world of Casey Crime Photographer, I guess that would be a relatively minor point. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now, and we have this from Joey on Facebook regarding the episode Ex-Convict. And he says, how clever to rhyme Stacy to Casey on his undercover assignment, and then there's a lull. Well, uh, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, but it is not actually the worst uh, scheme for a, a pseudonym. Because when most people assume a name, they tend to do uh, a, a, a la- uh, something with their uh, same initials, uh, which can make it easier for people to spot them. You know, it's, you know, or you could do like uh, David Banner did in the Incredible Hulk TV series and use your first name and then an entirely different B name. I, I, the series ran for five seasons. They ran, ran through a ton of B names. And, you know, it was the same every week. And that is the most obvious pseudonym ever. So I kind of will uh, cut Casey a lot of slack on choosing a name that rhymes. That's not nearly as obvious. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Zant, Patreon supporter since... February 2017, currently supporting us at the Dissective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Well, that will actually do it for today. If you are listening to this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next week with another episode of Casey Crime Photographer, but coming up tomorrow, we have an episode of Jeff Regan where... It was two out of three falls, one hour time limit. Me and a bunch of muscle-bound wrestlers and a scared blonde. You didn't have to be an expert to know the difference between a broken toenail and a stranglehold. It began in the office of my boss, Anthony J. Lyon. He called me in to meet a new client. Young guy, handsome, muscular, about 27 or 8, dressed in a... I did a take... He was dressed in a black cutaway coat, striped trousers, gray vest, and silk ascot. Without a program, you couldn't tell it from a wedding or a funeral. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, come in. I want you to meet our new client, the Earl of Gardner. Hiya. How'd you do? Jeffrey, our client, the Earl, has quite a problem. Oh. 
Jilted at the church? Uh, no, no, of course not. This is serious, Jeffrey, very serious. The Earl is a famous wrestler. Surely you've heard of him. No television set. Uh, yes. Well, uh, perhaps I'll let the Earl tell you his own story. Well, I think that would be advisable, gentlemen. Okay by me. Start from the top. Well, last evening, Mr. Regan, I was engaged in a match with a chap who called himself the Atomic Assassin. It was two out of three falls, one hour time limit. Naturally, I won. Naturally. Shortly after the completion of the match, the Atomic Assassin suffered a, a stomach disorder. I'm not certain of the uh, technical name for well, it. Now we can skip that. The Atomic Assassin is no longer with us. He retired? He's dead. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.